Revelation chapter 21. Speaking of the love of Jesus and God's love and, and uh, reasons to, uh, to love the Lord. If you get through Revelation chapter 21 and haven't figured out why you want to love the Lord, then something's wrong with your reader. You're reading comprehension, you know. The, uh, before we look into the verses... As reminded as a as a kid, there was there was one kid in my neighborhood, and uh, he was he was a bully. Wasn't me, all right. Stop looking at me, Lois. <laughs> but he was a he was a bully. I won't give his name, but uh, he was a bully. And man, it was I don't know how many times he would chase kids all the way back to their house. You know, and he'd find them, he'd see the kids, whether they were, you know, his age or a little younger, you typically. And uh, you'd see kids just screaming and, you know, and running back, and he's there. And, of course, they'd get to the house. Well, there was one time in particular, I remember, I don't know, but he, he ended up chasing me. I was probably five or six, because we moved when I was eight. So, um, and and he, I run back to the house, and I was well, actually, I was on my bike, so I was a little bit faster than him. And uh, but I was thinking, man, all the all the you know your little six year old imagination's going. You know, he's gonna he's gonna kill me. You know, he's gonna do whatever. And of course, that's what his threats were, as he was screaming. You know, plus the cuss words. I learned more from him in where. But anyway, um, but when I got home, I made it up. There was there's four stairs to the house on Myrtle Avenue. And I ran up those stairs, and then there's a front porch is screened in, and I was like, hey, I'm home. And of course, I was probably letting out like crazy, too, you know, <laughs> And because uh, Mom met me, and she's like, what? And, and I said, you know, that. then I gave the name, this kid, he's after me, you know, and, and she said, well, he's not going to get you now, you're home. You know, he can't get you now, you're home. And so... Uh, all of that kind of came to remembrance as I'm thinking about this and in, in, in preparing for this message. And some things can't follow you home. Amen? And uh, so now we'll get to the verses because the illustration was absolutely true. We're going to find things in this journey we call life. We're out in the world and uh, they're going to assault us. They're going to do all they can do to do their worst to us, but just some things can't follow us home. Amen? Revelation chapter 21, beginning in verse number 1. And I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people, and God himself shall be with them and be their God. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, neither sorrow nor crying, Neither shall there be any more pain, as for the former things are passed away. 
And he that sat upon the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these words are true and faithful. And he said unto me, It's done. I am Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. I will give unto him that is a thirst of the fountain of the water of life freely. He that overcometh shall inherit all things, and I will be his God, and he shall be my son. But the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Father in heaven, Lord, we're thankful for your word. Lord, it, no doubt it seemed when John was writing that maybe this was confusing to him. It may still be to us, but Father, we look in these promises and we look at what you have said here, and there is great comfort. There is great comfort in knowing Father, that there will be this time yet ahead of us where there will be no more just joy, just your very presence. Thank you, Father, for your word. Help us this morning as we look into this a little deeper, Father. Open our hearts. Pour in, Father, what you'd have us for us today. In Christ Jesus' name, amen. When uh, Peter was writing in... Uh, one of his letters, the first letter, chapter 2, he calls us uh, and mentions that we're pilgrims and strangers in this world. And we have songs, I'm, just, I'm a stranger, I'm a pilgrim, just passing through and, and such. And, and that's true. You know, as we make our way through this world, just like the illustration I shared with you this morning about my neighborhood, you know, it, it's dangerous. This world is horrible. Well, what do you expect? Who's the prince and power of this world? Satan. So, of course, it's not going to be all, all roses and all beautiful things. I mean, even, well, even roses got thorns, but, you know, it's not. It, and, and that's because of sin. You know, it didn't start out that way. We know that. You go to the other end of this wonderful love letter that God has given us, and you find out that it wasn't that way in the beginning. It was a Garden of Eden, beautiful and wonderful. But sin entered in, and all right, we have to deal with that. And so we do. There's many elements of life that trouble us. They hinder our progress. You know, bullies like death, bullies like disease, uh, discouragement, depression, let alone the devil. These bullies, they're, they're all part of the path. They do their best when we're going through this life. But when we read like a passage here in chapter 11 or ch chapter 21, we get reminded that there is a place called home. We get this place, it's a uh, there's a place that none of these troubles will be. There's a reminder that they just, uh, they're just not allowed to follow us home. Amen. It's like getting on that front porch. Whew. You know, in my father's house is my dad. <laughs> Go ahead, bully. Try. Try. You know, of course, in my illustration, it was mom. Sometimes worse than dealing with dad. 
But indeed, you know, hey. But like, <laughs> you think about this path we're walking on and the things we're doing and having to deal with in life. And sometimes that, 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 that old demon of discouragement kicks in and we just go, why? What is going on? And uh, it's a dangerous thing to let those things get a hold of us. But it's best for us to remember something. Just like anything, you know, you're watching a, a show on TV or maybe a movie or you're reading a book and the first thing that, you know, that we say is to somebody who may have already read that book or seen that show is, hey, no spoilers. No spoilers. Don't tell me. Don't tell me. Well, guess what? We're going to throw some spoilers out there. All right, this morning, if you haven't already figured it out, I like the end of the book. Amen. I like the fact that we know. I like this part that there'd be no more tears. You know, and that's not just a shampoo. You know, that's indeed no more tears. They'll all be wiped away, dried up. You know, just, you know, I was thinking about this with, with Friday and the, the service for dear Gloria. You know, and now Steve's grandma, Roxine, going to be with the Lord. There's going to come a day when our journey is going to lead us home. Amen? And we'll be safe. We'll be right there in our Father's hands. And all those bullies, they can't touch us. Amen? You know, and so I guess I was thinking about when trying to title this this morning is like, well, what do you say? Probably like in a, in a more eloquent way, like I would have told that other bully in my neighborhood, well, you might trouble me here <laughs> outside down the street, but you're not going to trouble me at home. And amen. Can't follow me home. So I, I, I realize even in a group this size that there are people that this morning are probably going through something, you know, whether it's disease, whether it's discouragement, whether it's just maybe you're just disillusioned over something, you know. And, uh, well, I want you to know you're, what you're going through will end. It will. And, and here's the hard part with that. To say that, it's like, well, pastor, okay, preacher, Yep, you guys say that. Yep, you say that. You're always saying, oh, that'll end. But you're not standing in my shoes. And I understand that fully. I understand that, you know, completely. Uh, but what a person that thinks that needs to remember is, no, I have my own shoes I've been standing in. And so I, I don't have to wear on the sleeves every of those discouragements, disillusionments, troubles, and depressions that I've been through. I just know they're part of life, and we have the great love letter from God which tells us it will be better. It will be better. In Romans chapter 8, if you care to follow along, Romans chapter 8, we're just going to look at one verse. Um, indeed, it's a, it's a verse of encouragement. It really is. Romans chapter 8, look at verse 18. Paul's writing to the church. They've gone through some struggles. He's trying to give them a little encouragement. Verse 18, For I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. 
Now that takes, it's kind of wordy, but think about it. What you're going through right now, it isn't even worth comparing to the glory of what's ahead. Oh, you know, we, <laughs> I, have, I have granddaughters, one in particular who is addicted to Band-Aids. She's got to have a Band-Aid for everything. And it's not Molly, so, <laughs> and it's not Riley. Band-Aid for everything. A mosquito landed on her. I need a Band-Aid. You know, and we go, oh, now look. It's a little overreacting. Well, that's kind of how it's going to be when we compare even the worst of things that we may go through here. Whether it be a broken family, whether it be a job loss, financial wreck, uh, cancer, uh, you know, amputation of a finger, you know, whatever it may be, it's going to be like, oh, really? Come on, you need a Band-Aid? When you compare it, that's what the Bible tells us. That's the definition of that verse. You know, thinking about it, you know, all this that we go through, these troubles in this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory. So, if, if Paul were writing today, and he could put a parenthesis in there, and I'm not going to add to God's word, but I just get this idea, all right? Going back, they said, look, it, for I reckon the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, um, and here's where Paul gets his best Greek, and it comes out like this in English, suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> You'll be all right. This, this is going to be rough. Yeah, but it ain't nothing compared. Now, on the on the positive side of this, on the other side, looking at this, because there's always good ways to look at certain things. Okay, so what, what you're going through is absolutely like the most worst thing you have ever dealt with. You know, it's like your heart is broken. You're, you're just, you know, you just cannot see a way out. All right, remember something. As bad as that is, it's not worthy to be compared with the glory. God is always in ratios. So if that is so horrible, that won't even compare. It's not even close. It's not in the running to be compared with the glory that awaits. And that, sure, at this time, I can see a lot of times there's people, yeah, well, that's great. But right now, that doesn't help. Oh, faith. Faith, trust in the Lord, just faith, and, and look forward to that time. So we just want to take this passage this morning just to look at some of life's, oh, bullies. Bullies that are not going to follow us home. Amen? First, look at verse number four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Sorrow cannot follow me home. Sorrow cannot follow me home. There, there's no denying that in this life, it's a lifetime full of trouble. It really is. Trials and tragedies and things that occur every day. You watch the news. And every day you, you see families that are going through things. And it might even be your family today. 
you know, and in tears. And, you know, sure. But that's how the Bible said it would be. Honestly. You know, in the book of Job, chapter number 4, excuse me, Job 14, man that is born of a woman is of few days and full of trouble. In chapter 5, Job says, yet man is born into trouble as the sparks fly upward. It's just, it's part of this life. How can we, you know, when we think about this, we have to get the best handle on the big picture of things. Sin entered into this world. All right, that separation from God. This world separated itself from God by, because of sin and by sin. And so therefore, we end up, what do we expect we would end up with? You know, you look at, look at the, the very, the logic of, okay, so our bodies are now corruptible. Because of sin, our bodies are now corruptible. So the moment we actually are born, we start the process of actually dying. And, and so if our bodies physically are doing that, why wouldn't our society, why wouldn't our morals, why wouldn't our characteristics, why wouldn't our personalities, why wouldn't you know, our attitudes be the same? It goes through, it, it just, it's logical that way because of this world, you know? Well, we're not going to have that in heaven. In John chapter 16, Jesus himself said, In this world ye shall have tribulation. I just trust Christ. And, and, and he knows it. So here's the thing. If he knows it, if he knows that in this world we'll have tribulations, then he knows we're going through this. He's not leaving us alone. I will never leave thee or forsake thee. He's not leaving us alone. You know, there's not a person in this room who hasn't come into some sort of contact with some sort of tragedy. You know, many of us bear the scars of those tragedies, those trials, those things, you know, and, and lots of times things in our life just don't go the way that we plan them. They don't go the way we think they should go. And so we know what sorrow is all about. It is the lot of every human being who has ever lived or is whoever will live on this earth. Sorrow will come. Sorrow will come. Well, according to verse 4, the troubles and trials of this life, they're not going to follow us home. Death. Look at back at verse 4. Not just the sorrow. There shall be no more death. I like that. I'm going to look at death in this particular sentence. There's two ways to look at death. Death, yes, we think of death and dying. Okay, our heart stops. We're, we're, our, this body is over with and this life is end. There won't be any more of that death because we'll be in our eternal state, present with the Lord. Amen. So that means there will be, since there's no more death, we'll always be with the Lord. Which brings us to the second real true meaning of the word death in Bible words, and that is separation from God. We will never be separated from God. Always in His presence. Amen. I like that. 
I don't know how many times things, situations have come up in your life. Let's get back to the bullies and that depression and that, that, that the old devil is just working on you and you get to the point where you, you just know you're separated from God. You just know God is not doing what you want him to do. You just know he hates you. You just know he's doing this or that. Hey, guess what? No, that's not true. But hey, when you get home, it's done. That's done. There's not even going to be any worry about it. It won't even cross your mind. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. No more death. No, neither sorrow nor crying. Neither shall there be any more pain. Amen to that. You know, we think if we, when we read this face value, you're reading the, the black and white words on the paper, no more pain. We go, oh good, you know, the arthritis pain, the you know, I can think of 206 bones in my body that'd be happy. You know, no more pain. But there's no more pain here either. The pain, this, this is the, I think this is the pain mostly that will be, praise God, taken away. No more pain. Why do I think it that way? Because of what it says just before that, no more crying. No more tears. You know, the tears don't come uh, I mean, they do for some. Tears come when you're in, you're in agony of physical pain. But tears come because of a, a heart pain. You're crying over a loved one. You're crying over a situation. Hey, there's no more of that. No more crying. I like that. <laughs> you know, crying, you might trouble us here, but you're never going to follow us home. Pain. Wow, Tears. All through scripture, the, 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 the part about this sometimes bothers me. That there will be no more tears. He'll dry up our tears then. And you just wonder, why do we have to wait till then? You know, we, if, if God the Father sends God the Son, go get your bride, and Jesus Christ comes in, the cloud, and we are caught up together. All right, that's we know that is the rapture, and then we're there, we're very presence of, of Christ Himself, face to face, finally with our Savior. And we go with Him, and we are now personally face to face with God the Father in the very presence of Jesus Christ Himself. And we have those things we've been talking about on Wednesday with you know the, the judgment seat of Christ and all that. Why, just like, God, can you not just, why don't you just take away our pain then? We're in heaven now. Take away our tears. Take away. I don't know what God's purpose is, but I do know this. It's not until the new Jerusalem that our tears are dried, that our pain is abated. And you know the bummer part of that is, let's go back to Revelation 21. And while you're there in 21, maybe it is that your Bible is physically printed so you can see chapter 20 as well, especially the latter half of the chapter. Doesn't it stand to reason that chapter 21 is after chapter 20? Number-wise, yes, but also read the chronology of what John is seeing, all right? It's after what occurs here. Chapter 20, verse 11. I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it. 
from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. And there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God. Now that word, I saw the dead. That's the dead in Christ. Okay, they're not, not in Christ. That's the dead without Christ. Small and great, stand before God. And the books were open. And another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and the death and hell delivered up dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man according to their works. Death and hell were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. I think of this. We'll be witness to that. And our tears and stuff and our pain and such are not abated until after that. Now, I'm not trying to put guilt on people. I'm not trying to guilt you into things. I'm just giving the facts as the authority of the Word of God says so. If, if that bothers you, that you're likely going to be witnessing to those that you know that died without Christ being ushered into the lake of fire, and that bothers you, then there's, there's your marching orders right there. That's the reason Jesus said, go, go. That's why we are to share the gospel. That's why we are there to do this now. We are to, we are to be the one that stands up to the bullies, the bullies that are out there concerning the things of God. We need to stand up for that. We need to share that. You know, pain, tears, crying, sorrow, death, all of that can't be at home. We know that up until that point, there will be time for us to grieve. I would like to minimize my grief process by sharing the gospel with as many as I know. Especially, especially those that, you know, we, we're to love all, but the, both those that I love, family members, friends, people that, have come, that God has put in my life. So they don't have to stand there as they are being tried and found not worthy. No. Some things can't follow you home. We can do what we can do here, though, to minimize. Verse 8, back in Revelation chapter 21, another thing that can't follow me home. Verse 8, Satan. Satan can't follow me home. That's just like that biggest of the bullies. You know, in verse number 8, but the fearful and unbelieving and the abominable and murderers and whoremongers, sorcerers, idolaters, and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Satan cannot follow me home. While it's true that, you know, much of what happens in this life is, is just a part of living in a, in a, in a sin-cursed world. All right? It's just part of that. It's also true that, that being called the devil, him, that being, he causes the saints of God so much grief. 
Well, I've read the end of the book. I like that part too. You know, I like it. He, you know, right now, Peter had written the fact that, that he is going about as a roaring lion, lion seeking whom he may devour. That's his job. That's his goal. That's his task. That's him running through the neighborhood looking for all those that are littler than him so he can beat up on them. And he'll keep on beating up on you till you get home. But he can't get up into the house. Amen. He can't. He cannot get up into the house. You know, the very names that, he, that are given to him in Scripture, uh, they ought to give you some indication. In, in, in Revelation chapter 12, he's actually called the accuser of the brethren. Well, sure, that's his job. That's his job. Look what he did. With, in, we've got the record, the record in Job. You know, in 1 Peter, he's called the adversary. In Matthew chapter 4, he's called the devil. Uh, the murderer in John 8, God of this world, that's a little g, by the way, the God of this world in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. The tempter, as well, in Matthew 4. Ruler of darkness. You know, Ephesians chapter, the ruler of darkness, you think about it. Ooh, there's something I want to attain. To be the ruler of darkness. That's how he is. That is his personality. That is his characteristic. To enjoy being the ruler of darkness. The serpent in Genesis chapter 3 and the wicked one in Matthew 13. I, so here you go. Adversary, devil, murderer, tempter, ruler of darkness, serpent, wicked one. Old Slewfoot. It's a lot of names, but you know what? Guess what? You know what us saints of God can call him? Gone. Amen. Gone. You're right there in 21. Go back to 20 again and take a look at that in, in verse number 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven. Revelation chapter 20. I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid a hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil, and Satan. Now look at there, there's right there, you've got several names. All right, none of them are complimentary, by the way. All right, and bound him a thousand years, cast him into the bottomless pit, shut him up, and set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more, till the thousand years shall be fulfilled. All right, and shut him up. I like that part too. People say, well, Satan's been telling me. Yeah, he's going to get shut up. I realize in the terminology here it means lock him up, lock him away. But I also like the idea, the mind thought of, yeah, he's going to shut him up too. Amen. We then look down to verse 10 after that. So he's going to be locked away that thousand years. And the devil that deceived, verse 10, devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night for a week, for a month, forever and ever. Amen. The bully can follow you home, but he ain't coming in the house. Amen. I like that. You know, hey, devil, 
You might trouble me here, but you are not going to follow me in the house. You cannot follow me home. Sin, sin can't follow me home. Back in chapter 21, in chapter 21, you know, verse tells us, verse number two tells us about the city of God, the new Jerusalem. And then down in verse number nine through 11, it tells us the city is the bride of the Lamb. Let's look at verse number nine. And there came unto me one of the seven angels, which had the seven vials, full of the seven last plagues, and talked with me, saying, Come hither, I will show thee the bride, the Lamb's wife. And he carried me away in the spirit to a great and high mountain, and showed me that great city, the holy Jerusalem, descending out of heaven from God. Now people say, whoa, whoa, wait, wait a minute, Pastor. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Hold on a minute. I thought we were the bride. We indeed are. We indeed are the bride of Christ. We are. This new Jerusalem, it's, it, it, it is, we, we get our minds, and there are dimensions, etc. But what we get our minds around is we represent that. We're the bride. It represents us. It's all in one. It's the new Jerusalem is us, is the bride of Christ, is that. And here, how does it describe us? It's holy Jerusalem descending out of heaven from God, having the glory of God, and her light was like unto a stone most precious, even like a jasper stone clear as crystal. And then the descriptions are given here. When you think about this, you know, this city, it's associated with the inhabitants of it. The bride, all right, of Jesus is pictured glorious, pictured spotless, sinless bride. Back in Revelation 19, so if you turn back a page or two, chapter 19, beginning in verse 7, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of saints. Now that could go into a whole nother message. And it should, and it likely will. Be, be glad and rejoice. Give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. How do we make ourselves ready? It's a whole part of that beam a seat, a judgment seat of Christ, having ourselves all purged of all, not sin, that's taken care of, but all of those things were, we talked about on Wednesday night in regards to what have we done in this body, what have we done for the cause of Christ since we have been given that stewardship or since we've been saved? What have we done? There's, you know, and so making ourselves ready. We now have our gifts, and we as the bride lay our gifts at our groom's feet, making ourselves ready. We'll get into all that in another time. But one of these days, we're going to be changed. Amen. I don't know, I don't know anybody right now who is uh, dressed in the righteousness of the saints. Uh, we're dressed in the righteousness of Christ. Amen? But indeed, the vile flesh is just going to drop away 
and there will be no more appetite nor ability to sin. I like that. Let's face it, everybody in this room, you know, even those of us, you know, we're saved and may have been saved, but we always, always battle with the flesh that we carry about. Always do. And that, Paul had that experience. But indeed, when the Lord saved us, he saved us from the penalty of sin. Amen. I, I, I'm just, what a blessing. Sin, you can chase me around this life, but you're not going to get home. What a blessing. You know, you, you think about it. There's one, I mean, these have all been good things. But there's one thing that we've got to talk about this morning that may be a little different. There's a sad note to this message. And indeed, sin will not follow us home. Sorrow is not going to follow us home. But you know what else, sinner? Sinner cannot follow me home. You think about this. There are those who have not accepted Christ that will not be able to follow me home, to follow you home. People in your life right now who you love, people that you know, you care for, that will not be able to follow you home. Verse number 8 Back in chapter 21 again, verse number 8, that fifth word that's there, unbelieving. It, referred, it refers to those that are without faith or those that have not trusted in God. They've never been saved through a personal relationship with Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus himself said that those who would not believe in him would not be saved. In John chapter 8, John recorded the same John who's recording this, who was told to write, same apostle. He wrote in, his first, in the gospel, according to John in chapter 8, and verse 24, I said therefore unto you that, he shall, that you shall die in your sins. This is Jesus speaking. This is a direct quote. If you have a red letter Bible, you'll... That's highlighted that way. Therefore you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. You shall die in your sins. Sinner, you can't follow me home. That's why our tears are not dried up until after all this has taken place. There needs to be a real acknowledgement of the complexity, the depth, and the, uh, the very truth of God's word. This isn't just a club. We didn't just, you don't come here because we, we you know, we're in a club together and, and we enjoy having a meal together from time to time. And all. No, we come here to hear the word of God, to be encouraged to go forward to share the word of God with other folks that need to know. You know, and you think about that. Maybe this morning you're one of those. You may not even recognize it. You know, well, I always go to church. Well, good. 
You know, I'm always in the gar- in the garage, but I'm not a car. You know, I mean, well, I've always I've always given to the church good. I've always given to the government in my taxes doesn't make me the president. You know, I've always given this and always done that. No. The thing the simple matter is we need to trust Christ. You know, unless you come to the saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ and accept him as your personal savior, you're never going to go to heaven. You know, and, and many of us, likely the majority of us here, understand that and have accepted Christ as our Savior. But you know that Jesus himself has said that he that believeth in the Son hath everlasting life. And he that believeth not the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God abideth on him. You know what's missing from that verse? The ors, the conditionals, statements. He that believeth on the Son, or sings in the choir, or has been in church a lot, or is a good person, or gives a good amount to the church, or, no, none of those. He that believeth on the Son hath everlasting life. The wrath of God abideth on him that does not believe. That ought to shock us too. You know, I had friends, and, and I had, you know, I had a mom, I alluded to, my mom was less like, boy, I'd rather deal with dad than mom, you know, sometimes, and maybe that's the way in, in life, you know. Certain moms, it's better to go find dad to get your punishment from, you know. But indeed, I can't imagine God in all of what his power is. The Bible tells me that if I don't believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, then I have God's wrath upon me. I'd rather have, you know, mom's wrath upon me. Or, you know, what, I don't know, it just, you think about that, I, I just soon not have God's wrath at all on me. Trust his son, Jesus. And, and not trust him just because I don't want God to be mad at me. Trust him for who he is, what he has done, what he means, and, and trust him for the fact that he loves us so much. We should love him back. You know, it, sinners cannot follow us home. That's, the, that's the, the tragedy of it. So if you're sitting in the church house this morning, or if the Lord works it out where you're listening to this recorded later on, you need a couple of things if you're, you say, well, I'm not a sinner. I'm not the, what you're talking about. Well, you need to reevaluate that. You really do. Because even I sin, I, I, I'm born again believer. I've trusted Lord Jesus Christ. I have a personal relationship with him, but I'm still capable of sin. And I still need to go to the Lord for forgiveness. So it's not that kind of manner. The, the sinner that can't follow us home is the one who's never accepted Christ. They're, typically, they're the one who has not recognized that they are a lost sinner. We need to recognize that. You need to recognize the manner that, yes, indeed, you have 
fallen short of the glory of God. You indeed re need to realize there is a tragic and a terrible penalty for not accepting Jesus Christ. We don't, you know, Christians who have trusted Christ, we don't go off and, 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 and come to your house, knock on your door, or talk to you at family get-togethers, or, you know, hand out tracts in the New York City streets, or put together these scriptures just because we've got nothing else to do. There's plenty to do in a day. We do it because we sense the urgency, and our desire is that you would be like us, not, okay, not robots, not exactly, you know, you, no, that you would be like us in that when this day comes and the bullies are going and all that, when you get to where your home is, your home is our home. It's the same place. So that we are not having to cry for you. We'll actually be alongside you, crying with you for those that you know that are being judged and ultimately in the lake of fire. I mean, there's only one plan of salvation, and that's to trust Christ Jesus. I mean, we've come up with numbers thing. We call it the Romans Road. We've called it a believer's prayer. We've called it several things. But, you know, Jesus, Jesus spoke it this way. He said, I am the way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Amen. So all the singing in the choir, all the nursery work, all the giving in the church, all the behaving and acting morally right and doing all that stuff, no. God's just waiting for you to say, forgive me, repent, and accept Christ. That's what it is. He is the way, the truth, and the life. You know, we're, we're on our journey. We're still walking the path of this life. We're here this morning, and so, yep, we're here. We're routinely assaulted by Satan. We're bothered by burdens. But when we get home, none of that follows. Amen? Amen. Let's stand.